I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello there, all you sweet little lambs. I am John Grant, musician and curious child, still. And I want to introduce you to some very beautiful creatures. So this is going to be a podcast about conversations with what I consider to be some of Earth's premier citizens in all their glory. Today's episode features the mighty Paul Rudd, all-around Hollywood legend, and yes, I know what you're thinking, officially the nicest man on the planet. We've been friends for a while, so it was a total joy to catch up a little bit. We talked about all manner of things, including traffic, Paul's fear of 1970s CBS horror movies, and British food, and the idea of home. Welcome to Judd Grant, the beautiful creature. John, you're in London. I am. And I thought you were going to be in London, too. Who the fuck is trying to call me right now on my phone? Seriously, I'm so sorry, Paul. Yeah, also, I forgot to switch my phone off. Who's the new guy, right? (laughs) Would you please repeat the question? (laughs) Um, Okay, who the fuck is trying to call you on your phone right now? That was a question, right? Um, But first, just how the heck did we meet? It was in Budapest, early 70s, and I was coming out of the steam room. Uh, I had to drop my towel, and Paul was walking in as I was walking out and said, excuse me, but I think you've dropped your towel. And that was the beginning of a very, very long friendship. That's something they teach you in the Midwest. Yeah. It's just manners. Yeah, yeah. Somebody drops their towel. doesn't matter where you're at. (laughs) That's right. You pick up a towel. That's right. That's right. Would you like to tell the true story, Paul, or...? The, well, we met because I saw you in concert. Yeah. And um, I was... Uh, it was a great show, and, it was, and I'm such a fan of yours. And I went backstage and said hello, and then we exchanged numbers, and then have just kept in touch over... I don't know how many years ago this was. In 2015, maybe. Yeah, something like that sounds right. And so, yeah, so we've been, I guess, friends since then. Funnily enough, though, we've never really seen each other in person. No, it's been over the inner tubes. But, yeah. And most of our conversations have kind of revolved around pop cultural, you know, crazy uh, 
you know, like CBS movie of the week or something, or, you know, um, we share and, that uh, love. We for do those things. Yeah. So, um, uh, how, how are you? I mean, you've been going like nonstop. I'm okay. I, I kind of feel like I have been going nonstop. It's a, uh, one of the results of, um, the, of COVID has been all these schedules kind of got reshuffled and, and so I just finished one thing and I'm now getting ready to go do another thing. And that's a little tiring. I guess you just have to be an adult and just do it, right? But I don't understand how you do do it. I mean, I've never been very good at it myself, you know? Yeah, it is hard. I look at things in chunks and mm. I think, okay, <laughs> I just need to kind of put my head down and move forward until Thanksgiving. Yeah. I usually have a year that gets increasingly more difficult as you get near Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then I always have that thing where I, I know that I'm going to be able to go home and see my family. Mm -hmm. And every year I forget that that's actually a punishment. <laughs> I grew up in the, in the Midwest, not far from Denver. Right. And, um, my, you know, my parents were both British and I moved around a lot. Did you speak with a British accent when you were young? Sometimes I did, but yeah. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't living there, so I was just inconsistent. Yeah. I would know that I needed, I needed to take a bath, but I really wanted a banana. So I was, I didn't know, <laughs> right. I was always, you know, my mom still, my mom still has her British accent. So, wow. you know, when she's teaching me words, they're coming through with an accent, but then I'm surrounded by an American accent. Yeah. And then we eventually settled in Kansas City. And people would say, why are you living in Kansas City? And I remember my father would just say, no traffic. <laughs> and he just, like, he said, I think I stayed because the cars moved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I, I sort of feel that way about Iceland. How long have you been there now? I've been there for about nine years. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, relationships gone to hell, you know, totally frowned upon, no longer popular in the public eye. And yet I still want to stay there because the air is so crisp and fresh mm. and there's no traffic and there's no, yeah. there's hardly any people up there. So it's really amazing. Is there one place that you, you kind of dream about more than any other place? Mm, that's interesting. I mean, it's sort of a jumble of, of different places. I think I have a lot of dreams that take place in England, strangely enough. I can't mm -hmm. think of any dreams that were based in Iceland, strangely enough, in this moment. I have dreams about my mother who, you know, died 25 years ago and those are sort of, it's a type of dream called a nightmare. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a, <laughs> it's a, I can't, it's weird because her face looks like a Francis Bacon painting. It's, it's sort of like, I don't know, did you ever read that Roald Dahl book, um, The Witches? No. It's a little boy and his Norwegian grandmother telling him all about witches and about the different things that witches do to uh, fuck with people or to destroy their lives. That's in a child's book. And I think it's one of the most <laughs> incredible things, but horrifying. I miss that. I miss things that were written for kids or made for kids that were terrifying. Yeah. It's all kind of homogenized now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Let's do uh, it. Let's write a children's book together. <laughs> scare a terrifying the fuck children's out of book. Yeah, <laughs> scare, yeah. Let's scare the shit out of them, you know. Um, it's not like they don't have it coming, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, hey, man, as soon as you're born into this world, you got it coming. Right? Yep. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, 
So I'm, I'm fascinated about um, the Midwest. I, I love the Midwest. I love being from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I grew up in Michigan. And you did, how long were you in St. Louis? Did you spend your formative years there? Like, well, I was actually in Kansas City on the other side. I was kind of on the border of Missouri and Kansas. Right. And I spent, yeah, kind of from the age of 10 to 20, really. So it was um, Kansas. It was the Kansas side, it, right? It was Kansas, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I lived there. Yeah, I, I lived there when I was, even before that, for about a, two years. And then we moved to California. Right. Um, and then back to Kansas. Yeah. It was all because of my dad's job. Um, mm. Very formative years, really, you know, 10 to 20. And um, it's funny because I've, you know, I've lived in New York now for, geez, I mean, nearly 30 years. Like 20, mm. 25 years, 26 years, something like that. So I've been in New York much longer than in Kansas City. And I guess I asked you that question, where do you dream about? I mean, I'm, yeah. most of my dreams are in the house. I grew up in, in in Kansas. And, you know, my mom is still in Kansas City. My sister is there. My dad died. But, um, um, so I still, but I still have, you know, family there. Yeah. And I think that those, that place, I, I really still kind of feel connected to that and and the Midwest, uh, like you said, I I realized having traveled a lot as a little kid, yeah. Because my dad worked for an airline, okay. They were European, right? We traveled a lot. We had to go a lot of places, and I lived in a lot of different places. Yeah. Um, as I got older, I started thinking that it was good to live in the, a place that you know the majority of people don't want to be. I think that growing up in one of those places that would be like a, considered a flyover state or someplace yeah. that is, is good for your character. Mm. And I love New York. I think it's the greatest city in the world. I think yeah. it's, I mean, and I love living there and I'm raising my kids there. And, yeah. um, but I, I knew that anytime I was anywhere and I told somebody, they asked where I was from, I said, I'm from Kansas here, Kansas City. And they, right. the, the inevitable Wizard of Oz joke right. is right. I would follow. Right. Um, and then they would ask me questions like, uh, wow, do you, is it hard to get hot water? <laughs> or, <laughs> or is there, you know, like, and I would think, you know, you know, Kansas City is a city. It's, a, it, it's not dissimilar to Denver or Cincinnati yeah. or, you know, totally. uh, any city in the country, really. They, they're all kind of the same, especially now because they all have the same restaurants. But yeah. um, I was always startled at how little people knew of places outside of Los Angeles and New York or Chicago mm. and, or just hadn't been there. And, and I, and I realized like, unless you have family or some reason to go, it isn't a place that you want a vacation. Yeah. I love going back to Iceland, you know, mm. to that fresh air. But I also really, you know, for a while there I was, I was getting, I was thinking that I'd really like to go back to the place where I was born in Michigan, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot during the making of Boy from Michigan and buy a house there and live there. And I don't, I really don't know. I can imagine it being like, you know, straw dogs, you know, part two, mm-hmm. or, um, <laughs> you know, or perhaps um, the greatest thing that ever happened to me, you know, and I end up opening up a chocolate shop in the town center and, you know, meeting, meeting a man that I fall in love with in a book club and, you know, the people who, called me a faggot when I was a little boy coming into the store and saying, you know what, I don't have the energy to kill you anymore, but if I did, I don't think I probably would want to. 
<laughs> you know, that sort of thing. That's progress. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> oh, that, so beautiful. Um, but I love these small There is towns. that thing of going kind of, yeah, the more you see, the more you kind of end up where you started off. There are a lot of people. Yeah. That happens to a lot of people. Yeah. I do think the best thing that we can do is see other places. Absolutely. That's, that's the really, like, I think that other places, places we've never been, meeting people uh, who live there and, uh, and, you know, expanding your worldview. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it should be a mandatory part of school that kids have to go spend a year abroad. It's also, you want to learn about where you're from? Go to another country. Yeah. You know, that's if you really want to learn about your home, learn about where, you know. Yeah. It, it, it takes getting out of it. Yeah. I know you've lived in lots of places. Yeah. Where do you feel or do you feel as if any place is really your home? My answer that I give to people when they ask me that is, um, I sort of learned, I mean, one learns at some point that you can't escape yourself. And so, or any of your problems, you just keep getting the same lessons over and over until you pass them and move on to the next one. And so you can move wherever you want, but you're just going to get those same lessons there. And so I moved to Iceland knowing that it would just be a different backdrop for my bullshit, is what I always call it. I thought to myself, even if I am trying to escape or even if I'm still running away, at least I'm learning another language, you know? At least I'm learning how to say, or which is um, the inside of the vagina pink. That's an adjective that means the pink that is on the inside of the vagina. They actually have a word for that. So at least I know good how to for, say by that. By the way, good for them. Right. Good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because we have to, we have to, you know, we have to construct an entire sentence to describe that. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? Um, well, I was thinking about that today, and I mean, I, I studied German and Russian in school, so I speak those, and I speak um, pretty good Icelandic, and I'm I'm pretty deep into Spanish as well, and I have a good knowledge, a good general knowledge of French, but I wouldn't say that I speak French. Although the French have sometimes said that I speak it, but you know how people like to be kind occasionally. Right. <laughs> you know, when you're doing an interview in another language, and I was doing interviews in German all day yesterday, it's really hard to think on the fly about abstract, you know, thought processes in the foreign mm. language. You know, it's really difficult to keep up that level of proficiency in the language to where you can literally discuss any issue and formulate your thoughts and your your own unique personality as you do you know in your mother tongue so when you're doing interviews then in german and you haven't spoken german yeah. for a while how yeah. I, I would imagine yeah it's like working out or doing anything you need a, a couple of weeks a couple of hours like what I, is I, it yeah a couple of days what is it that you need to kind of get up to speed yeah, it's a couple of days, I would say, with German. And I would say probably the same thing with Russian. Um, and for French, I just, I don't want to do it because it's just too clunky, you know. Spanish, the same thing. I mean, you know, my brain is not as soft and malleable as it was when I was, you know, 17, 18. I was thinking that we could start the podcast tonight by talking about the shape of my mother's cervix because whenever I look into the, whenever I look into the camera, I always see that my head is shaped like a doorway. And when I was a little baby, when you looked at these pictures of me as a baby, there was just like this rectangle on top of a 
of a human form. I mean, literally, and it's still that way, you can see it. I mean, I've tried to do some, you know, I've tried to arrange my hair here on top in such a way that, <laughs> well, I remember when my mother had a hysterectomy and we went to the hospital, we were just, my father took us to the hospital to see our mother and we were still just little kids and he had one of us on each, uh, he was holding our hands. Um, one of us on each side, and we walked in, and there was this really weird cactus on the reception desk. And uh, my father looked over at me, and he said, "Look, they planted your mother's uterus." <laughs> and you know, cut to, you know, years later of, um, you know, here we are, and I'm, I am who I am. <laughs> but you know, if I had to translate that, you know, into a foreign language, that little story, it would be quite um, challenging for me to say that in certain languages. So, I mean, obviously, we've got to talk about casseroles. I grew up in the Midwest. I mean, you've got some knowledge surrounding the casserole, haven't you? You know what? We never really did casseroles. I know that everyone did casseroles. Right. We never did. I never grew up in a house with casseroles. We would have a shepherd's pie. Yeah, that. of course. Of course. Have you ever read um, George Orwell's little essay about, which is called In Defense of English Cooking? No, I have not. Boy, I feel like a real idiot in this thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm so <no>. sorry. <laughs> I've read some more. Well, I've never read that one. But I think I might. <laughs> I, I must say, I'm curious about it. How no, is it? I think it's really, it's really funny, you know, because he's saying. I'm sure. He's really saying, we got some good shit. Come on. You know. <laughs> I always think of uh, when the, there was a panel with Monty Python and mm. uh, somebody asked John Cleese, if I'm remembering this correctly, why is English cooking food so bad? Right. And his reply was, we had an empire to run. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But you know, I, I, I mean, that's an excellent response, but I personally yeah. don't think English cooking is that bad. I mean, there's so many great steak and Guinness pie and, yeah. and, and shepherd's pie and... I grew up with it. I mean, yeah. I, I have a soft spot for it. I, I, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I, Yorkshire pudding is my favorite thing in the world. My kids love Amazing. it. Amazing, yeah. I just had some Yorkshire pudding over the weekend, and it was really, really good. I remember, yeah, oh, it's the best. Yeah. I remember that there were certain things, though, that sounded funny. And I remember my mom saying, you know, we do have a dessert here called Sp Spotted Dick. <laughs> yes. And that, and that, uh, Endless amounts of laughter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about that this weekend, too, because I had what I thought was an eaten mess placed in front of me on the table. But it was actually a fool, not a mess. Eaten mess from Eaton. Created at Eaton? No idea. I'm getting, I'm getting a nod from my producer here. Got it. Rachel right. says, yes, it was created yes, in Eaton. Clearly, yes, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Bubble and squeak. Yeah. Come on, how do you knock any food that or cuisine that has names like this? Yeah, exactly. They don't have to taste great. They, they sound great. I was even thinking as I was kind of setting up this whole thing in my closet here, and I'm just kind of holed up in the closet, I was getting these Bad Ronald vibes. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you know, Bad Ronald is something that I bet John either one knows about two we've talked about um yeah. or, thank god uh, i don't know about it because you don't know about it okay or or three he does know about it and i can maybe blow his mind with the bad ronald reference i think it was yeah 
Billy Jacoby. It was speaking of which, this is it's like the Roald Dahl book. Like, uh, talk about a great idea mm. for a movie. This was a, just like a television movie, and it's about this kid Ronald who is getting picked on at school by everybody, and some young he lives alone with his mom, mm. and some a little girl is teasing him as he's riding his bike home. And he gets mad and he pushes her. She falls back and, and hits her head and on the sidewalk or something. And, and he panics, rides home, tells his mom what happened. His mom, who's a little nutty, says, <laughs> uh, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're just going to, you're going to hide in here. And when people come by to ask questions, I'm just going to say you're, you're at your dad's house or you're out or you're, you're out of town or something. Right, right. But he goes into this little crawl space in the house. She she says, you know, you just lay low for a couple of days. She even tried to hide it. She like kind of put wallpaper over this door, like paste it up so, uh, you know, it was hard to see. And um, she winds up going to the doctor and dies. (laughs) She's gone. But he doesn't know. And he's scared to come out. So. Wow. The house eventually goes up for sale, and he starts living within the walls of the house. They eventually sell the house. Another family moves in. He sneaks out at night to eat food and does, you know, but, but he has now carved out little kind of habit trails all throughout the house, <laughs> and he's fallen in love with this young girl who's moved in, and he's there for years living in the walls of a house, and they don't know. Wow. And, yeah, they think it's haunted, but it's this crazy, crazy great story. Bad Ronald. Bad Ronald. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow, you did blow my mind with that. I can't believe I've never heard of that. 
Well, I know we've talked about that one for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, for those of you who have not been present for Paul and my friendship the entire time, we, we both love horror movies. We both love bad horror movies. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's a statement that could be made? I think those kind of seven, late 70s television, those horror films from when I was really young mm. that really left a, an imprint. Yeah. Um, and, and we both shared that one with Dirk Benedict and, <laughs> and wow. Struther Martin or whatever called it, wow. about the snake, um, yeah. snake man. I mean, remember that we, we've talked about this scene that I have the, the lobby card from hanging on the wall of my bedroom. Yeah. When they go to the um, freak show at the circus. Oh, and, it's dead. And there's horrifying. The, yeah, horrifying. And there's this snake man there. I saw that on TV as a kid. <laughs> it scared the hell out of me so much that I remember having that night having to sleep with my parents because I was so scared. Yeah, I believe it. Um, seeing my grandpa Grant in his coffin made me have to go sleep with my parents. That just oh, reminded me sure. of that. Yeah, oh. they lived down in the Ozarks, and he, I think he had cancer, and he was, you know, he was completely unrecognizable and super, super skinny, just didn't even look like the same person. Yeah. And when we got back home, um, I started having these dreams as soon as we got back home. It was the first time I think I'd seen somebody in a coffin or had been to a funeral as a little boy. And I remember um, having this dream where, you remember, you know, Lurch from the Munsters? Yeah. He looked exactly like that in the dream. And he was just appearing, walking into the room where I was, just walking, going, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, it's just fantastic. Cut to, you know, me between my parents and both of them rolling their eyes because yeah. it's been seven Jeez. months now, you know. <laughs> I'm not down with the open casket for that reason. Yeah, I don't think me you need too. it. But yeah, why did I get on that tangent about my... Grandpa. Oh yeah, because you had to go sleep with your parents because of. S- yeah, because of. S- yeah. I had a real. I had a real moment in time where I had real childhood fears. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they started around the age of five when I had to have everything in my bedroom taken out of my room. I had two pictures on velvet. One of Snoopy. Oh my God. Playing baseball, and one of of Charlie Brown on a pitcher's mound paint, and and the one of Charlie Brown didn't really look that much like Charlie Brown. There was something that was just a little, and it. God, it's like, I can deal with Snoopy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if I want this Charlie Brown one in my room. And then that started this kind of snowball effect where I'm like, you got to get rid of the Charlie Brown. You know what? You got to get rid of the Snoopy because it's reminding me of the Charlie Brown. <laughs> exactly. And then this desk is turning in the shadows at night, turning <laughs> into a monster. You got to get right. rid of that. So I was, you know, that over the, over the course of about five years, I think, um, different, different things started yeah. scaring me and and, and was during that time oh jeez i went to a, i went to a drive-in movie theater and saw i think it was a double bill of smoking the bandit and hooper and <laughs> in between they showed a preview of the movie magic with anthony Oof. hopkins and and, and ann margaret oh my god and uh i just remember looking at this dummy's face yeah and it it scared me so badly <laughs> Um, that I actually wound up having to go to a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. My mom had to take me to a therapist. I, I got so panicked. One time I was upstairs in my parents' bedroom watching Barney Miller on a black and white TV and a commercial for Magic came on. Oh, sh- I ran downstairs. 
that turned into tears. That turned into my parents saying, well, at least go upstairs and turn the TV off. I wouldn't go back in the room. I wouldn't go turn. And, and then it turned into hysteria, hysteria to, to the yeah. point where it's like, I actually got, I think my mom slapped me across the face. To calm me down. <laughs> Cut to scene from airplane, right? Yeah. <laughs> where the people are lined up. Where they're all lined up. Yeah, exactly. Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, um, Get a hold yeah, of yourself. I, <laughs> I had a, a few of those movies. That one was the Mac Daddy, though. I yeah. still, to this day, have never seen it. I remember seeing those ads as well, which brings us to the other movie. I, I think you remember this, too. We talked about it. But the little boy hovering outside the window in Salem's Lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like Ugh. soiled diaper time for me. Anything with like, uh, yeah, with out the window and it's, it's nighttime. They see anything like where it's a vision of some a kid. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, you know, like in those two little girls in The Shining. Ugh. where That was always the scariest part of that movie for me. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. They're terrifying. Yeah. It's a, I watched the scene recently because we were talking, and I think you sent me a link to it. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember, I actually remember your response to it. I said, did this, did this cause you to soil your britches as a child? And you were like, that's happening to me right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, uh, <laughs> it, oh. the effect was not lessened. Jeez. Man, Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you about some of your comedic heroes, like throughout, you know, when you were growing up? Were you a Mel Brooks fan too? Did you love? Huge. Yeah. Huge Mel Brooks fan. Yeah. Huge. It's also one of the things that I really bonded with my dad over. Yeah. Um, because he loved Mel Brooks and we would sit and listen to the 2000 year old man routines. I mean, I saw Young Frankenstein and yeah. High Anxiety, all the films. And, um, oh, man. And uh, he's an example. There are a few of these guys. Don Rickles was in this category. Um, oh, yeah. Bob Newhart. Uh, oh, man. Mel Brooks, where they never, ever got less funny to me. Like, they just, they yeah. sustained being hilarious yeah. for for so long. And that is such a hard thing to do. You know, Steve Martin was enormous uh, for me, uh, as was David Letterman. Oh, yes. Um, Huge for me as well. I mean, he shaped the comedic sensibility of this country, I think, in ways that are have never really been completely acknowledge, acknowledged. Totally. Maybe my favorite of all time is George Carlin. George Carlin yeah. is, uh, was, uh, I think, just the best thinker we yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Incredible. I, That's the yeah. meat. That's like the meat right there. That's the yeah. main course. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know... I still think about, you know, whatever's going on, I'll go back and listen to some of those comedy albums or some of those HBO specials and, and they ground me in a way and I'm like, oh yeah, that's so right. He's so right on and it hasn't, this, it's so deep. And even like if my kids are going through stuff, my son was like, I, we'd listen to George Carlin. George Carlin kind of calmed him down about certain things in life and he has the same outlook. Even yeah. as a little kid, yeah. he was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the kind of thing that many people say, I can't believe you're letting them listen to that, but I'm mm -hmm. like, why? It's, it's just truth. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and he's laughing at all the right parts. And <laughs> yeah, then I also loved, yeah. uh, also really, really loved Andy Kaufman and really absurdist comedy. I loved all the British comedy, like, uh, you know, 
Monty Python and Faulty Towers. I mean, it was really I yeah. and Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Yes. And I loved mm. watching stand up. And I used to think, you know, is this something I'd want to do? Yeah. Um, but it was it was the other the other stuff in the way that you were talking about the the guts and the grit and the the brutality of everything. Where that's what I was interested in as well. So that's why yeah. I, I went into acting and not so much, you know, just doing sketch or any of that kind of which is not my background at all right i studied theater and then um and yet always felt well the the comedy of all of of of, in all of our behaviors is is really the thing that i i kind of caught into to convey the most drama anyway um right because that's what i do it's how it's how i deal with every trauma in my own life Yep, same like here. whenever somebody says, "Oh, you can't," whenever says somebody, "Oh, you can't joke about that," or they say something so uh, offensive, yeah, and everyone's like, "That's that's when that's when I f- say, yeah, that's great, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, like, yeah." Like I, I, I can't I afford it. not to joke about that. I mean, <laughs> I just remember thinking, I remember reading that. What was it? Awful thing. And speaking of, of Colorado, when they had that, was it the Aurora shoot, the shooting in the movie theater? Mm-hmm. But Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Schumer, I remember reading this thing that they had become really good friends. And when they met, right. it was because one of them was show, their movie was being shown in a theater and there was a big mass shooting. It was awful. Right. And either Jennifer Lawrence reached out to Amy Schumer, which I think this is the way it was, right. never met and just said, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and that did more good for how awful she was feeling. Yeah. And it's like absolutely oh, that's comedy yeah. heals, man. It really does. Yeah. Mm. How old were you when you lost your dad? Um, thirty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. I had a life with him. Like I was. I was lucky in that regard, but he was, you know, he had just turned 66. He, uh, you know, he died pretty young. Yeah. And then I had kids after him. Like he didn't even know he would have had a granddaughter. And so just, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff that never goes away. That's always hard. That is the, yeah, the brutal, that is the brutality of life and what is, is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, you're talking about like, that is the real stuff. That is what I'm drawn to. It's also, I think, part of the reason why, especially now, I'm really into comedy again because uh, it's so brutal. The world is so hard. Yeah. And and uh, and man, just whenever I see something that's really making me laugh, it's it's the greatest. Is all I care about. So yeah. I just I just want to live in this space for a while. Yeah, totally. Um, I sort of want to ask you something that's crossed my mind a few times. I mean, one of the things that um, that I noticed about you when I met you is that you are one of the kindest, loveliest people I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, that's nice of you to say. And um, I'm just sort of wondering, have you always been that way? Um, what is that? Is that is there is there something horrifying going on behind the scenes that I, I don't know <laughs> that I, you're covering I, you know, up? <laughs> I don't know if this is. Uh... Uh, this is true about me. I don't know if I'm one of the nicest, kindest people. I'm sure there are many people that are close to my life that would say, you're okay, but you're not the, you know. Um, mm. But, well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. but I, I think that, I think that um, 
you know, you try to be nice to people. I remember when I had moved to Kansas for the first time, mm-hmm. or no, the second time, but I was in fourth grade. And um, I was a new kid in school, and I'd been the new kid in school many uh, times. Right. And I was sitting in cla- in this class, and, you know, Paul's a new student. Say hello. And people are going, you know, kids have their own, they don't care. But there was um, one kid that came over to me. His name was Casey McCarthy. Mm-hmm. This, this is so, is a profound moment in my life, I think, because he said, hi, I'm Casey. Welcome to our school. If you ever need anything, like he was so nice to me. Wow. And then I remember going, like, I, I, I've never been anywhere where another kid introduced himself to me. Like, I'm just, you, that never happens. Kids yeah. don't really introduce themselves to anybody. Right. And, um, and everybody's like, oh, Casey's the nicest kid in the class. Like everyone, and I, and he, I remember, I beca- he became one of my really good friends. Um, and I always remembered, wow, that was really cool of him. I mean, it really made an impression. And, yeah. um, and, I, and, I, and I remember you, I would think, God, I really want to be like that. I want to be nice like he was. I don't know if that has <laughs> that bearing, but I, I don't know if it means anything. But I do remember that very, very vividly. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of being n- nice to you, I was and am just a, a fan. I was a little bit awed because, you know, I... I've told you, I, when I first heard, I think you just released that album in Outer Space, which I think is like, oh my God, this is such a, per- it's a song, it's perfect, it's perfect. <laughs> and then I realized after Thank the fact, because I had Czar's CD, um, uh, like, I, oh my God, I put that together and that guy, so it was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting this guy. I'm a fan wow. of his music. So um, there's always something, uh, you know, I think whenever I'm being uh, deferential, I yeah. just get smiley and, and, and nervous. I get it's very smiley and nervous. Um, I catch myself doing that quite a bit. I always yeah. think of the line in, in, um, in With Nail and I when, um, you know, Richard E. Grant says to uh, Paul McGann, he's like, you know, why are you smiling all the time? And he goes, I just, I'm nervous. And he just gets, and he smiles. He's very, yeah. very kind of cordial. And it's, <laughs> yeah. that's very British too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, so that's maybe it's in in my DNA. Yeah. You know, just coming back to this thing about how we sort of process this place that we've come from. And I mean, it's, you know, the United States is a little bit ridiculous. You know, I have this deep love for it. But I mean, you know, we've been screaming at the top of our lungs for, you know, hundreds of years that this is how it's done. This is the best. This is the only place. And, you know, I never felt that way. You know, I felt, I didn't feel welcome to that party at all when I was growing up. Somebody was telling me about how he heard Bruce Springsteen say that what he does is measure the distance between the American dream and reality. Mm. And he said that, he said that that's what he felt like I was doing too. And I felt like that was well, I felt humbled by that, and I felt like it's also very true. And I feel like, you know, I have a big problem with this. Um, you're not allowed to find any fault with your country whatsoever. Um, we have to criticize who we are and where we come from. And we can't be, you know, thinking that our shit doesn't stink. Otherwise, we're fucked. Yeah, I love living in this country. Yeah. But I know... <laughs> We've not we've done some really bad things. Yeah, and you know continue to. It's I just read this this whole 
op-ed in the New York Times that Tom Hanks had written where, where we just were talking about the, the Tulsa riots. Mm-hmm. I never heard about him growing up. Neither did I. He hadn't. No one had. And that's just one. I mean, thank God. Yeah, I watched Watchmen. And it was Me like, too. That? This happened. Me too. And that, yeah, that was what did it. I think Damon Lindelof did a real service. Me too. Um, to all of us by you know making that the kind of cornerstone of, of that entire. Wasn't that incredible? Series. By the way, In- it was incredible. It was great. It I was mean, great. That blew my mind. But you know, this is we've got a lot of really. Uh, in our history, we have a lot of re- things in, we should not be proud of. And, yeah. and it's weird, you know, it's, I, it's, I have kids and they're growing up and it's like, what are you, what are you teaching them about where they're from in this country? And they're forming their own opinions and yeah. um, you have to be able to talk about it. And you've got to be able to talk about the kind of the warts and all of it and, in hopes that you can get better. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good thing to do that. In a lot of cases, we aren't those people that went and did those those things that we're talking about, you know, you aren't personally responsible for a lot of these things, but that has certainly informed the way that our system developed. And those things are instricable from how our system and our country developed. And we have to, we have to look at that. And it doesn't mean that we don't deeply love where we come from. I mean, I'm, my music is so American through and through, you know, and I was yeah. always I was always told when I was growing up, you don't seem like you belong here. You seem you you seem real European. And a, that, a lot of times that was a way of saying, you like to take it up the ass, don't you? <laughs> you know, it was sort of that was sort of the the opening of that conversation usually. Um, yeah, there's always this element. You feel I think you did. I feel a little bit of a little bit a bit of an outsider and thing. I had the same thing just with being Jewish. I realized like. You know, I'm not religious per se, but yeah. I did kind of discover early on if I was making Jewish jokes, all the kids laughed harder than at any any other jokes. Mm-hmm. And I, I got older. I'm like, that's that's kind of fucked up. That's not really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what that wasn't was, that was, was cool. going for there. Yeah, yeah but it's um, uh, you know, you you do feel different, a little bit of an outsider from from where you're from, and it and mm. it's like you know, and, and so here I am. That was in Kansas. Yeah, you know, and I like I still have the love I do for this place that I kind of grew up, and I see that side of it too. And it's like, yeah, you know what? There's a lot messed up. There's a whole, a whole bunch that's really messed mm-hmm. up about that state, about a lot of the states in this country. Yeah, um, and and some of the you know political leanings and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, you know, there's there's good and bad, and you just yeah. have to be able to talk about it all and hopefully improve. Yeah, totally. I think that's a great place to to end as well. And seriously, right you are a huge inspiration to me. And I'm oh, so man. just glad to see my friend. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, and same here. Yeah, and well, I, I'm, I'm, your new album is awesome. Thank I you. I mean, all your music is just so great. I can't, I, uh, I'm, I'm very flattered that you would say that about me, knowing how much of a fan I am of yours. So this has been great. Thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudd, ladies and gentlemen, go be nice to each other now. I hope that was as much of a joy for you beautiful creatures as it was for me. Until next time, it's JG signing out. You know what, y'all? I'd really love for you to know that the sound design today 
has been provided by Peregrine Andrews, the name you wish you had. My incredible manager is Fiona Glenn-Jones. From Storyglass, we have executive producer Alex Hollins, and head of production is Carrie Luter. Special thanks to them. This has all been produced by the gorgeous Rachel Hooper for Walk on Air for Storyglass. Please subscribe to our lovely podcast on your usual channels. Next time, I'm talking to Kristen Hirsch from Throwing Muses. She's a wise, wonderful soul who I truly adore. And we talked about tour buses, hearing music as colors, and the time I got stranded in a hospital in Kiev. Could you please leave me the fuck alone now? Because very tired. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.